everybody tuning in. Welcome to the Heat Ratio Podcast. I'm your host, Tony Cotillo at Cotillo 23 And today is a different venture. We talked about on this show bringing in new talent, bringing in new perspective. And on top of that, what that meant was bringing in an expert's point of view. Someone to not only give their opinion, but their educated insight for a craft that they own whether it be in the Philadelphia market or national. And today on the Rise and React Media Hotline, for my money, the best writer in Philadelphia sports right now for the Philadelphia Inquirer and the most opinionated writer in Philadelphia, the man, the one and only Marcus Hayes. Marcus, thanks for joining me today. My pleasure, Tony. Let's get right into it because you posted the article yesterday on the Philadelphia Inquirer, and if if people have not read it yet, they need to. Doug Peterson's positive COVID-19 test further proved that the NFL and Major League Baseball must isolate or fail. And one of the quotes that I love is when you say they are, after all, independent, narcissistic, spoiled, and rich, and that's not a formula for obedience and common sense when you talk about the NFL. NFL players. Can you elaborate on that? Because I understand exactly what you're talking about, but I'd love the audience to hear it as well. Well, actually, I'm in it more toward the baseball players. Um, the baseball players, I think, are less disciplined and more entitled than football players who, you know, they're, they're pretty regimented and protocoled. So I think you're going to have less of an issue with football players than you than clearly you're having with baseball players. But these guys, I mean, honestly, basketball players would be the worst <laughs> if they weren't in lockdown. Absolutely. But, um, you know, you're talking about people who, because of those traits, because they're narcissistic, because they're independent, because they're driven, because they think that the rules don't apply to them, that's kind of the recipe for success, too. You know, so it's very difficult to change gears and be a quote-unquote good soldier when you think that you're Captain America. Yeah, that's that's a great point. And all along, I think you'll agree, I really feel the NBA and the NHL did things the right way. And I feel like that Major League Baseball, obviously, we see already how they have not done things the right way. And NFL, what I mean to ask you is, with the NFL, without a bubble, and I, I don't know if it's even possible, I mean, can we get a full season in with the NFL? Absolutely. You can get a full season in with anybody if you do it properly. And the PGA Tour is doing it properly. The LPGA is doing it properly. Major League Soccer has bubbled themselves up in Orlando. They're doing it properly. But more more importantly, the Bundesliga in in Germany, um, La Liga, the Premier League, are doing it without bubbles because their countries are responsible. They don't have a Texas, Florida, California, Louisiana, you know, selfish, dumb aberration (laughs) of a a, a segment of their company, of their country. So it's really not, not that bad. No, no, you're absolutely right, and I completely agree. I mean, this this falls on the maturity of the leaders and the players in order for this to work. And I really think the NBA, I I like how they did it. Uh, You know, it took a lot of time, a lot of logistics. And when we look at what happened with the Eagles, and I want to ask, obviously, Doug Peterson comes out last week and says he's very comfortable with the protocols they have in place and he's very comfortable in his own type of bubble and then this happens obviously he may think a little differently but obviously this is the best case scenario for it to happen now i would think right well unless you get sick and dies well well well, yeah obviously (laughs) (laughs) is that the truth this is this is no joke i mean it's sean payton his golf buddy in uh new orleans and louisiana 
um, got very sick. And, yep. you know, he, he is the cautionary tale. And again, we, you and I can't necessarily stop living our lives and lock ourselves down, but we can, we can mitigate our contact with other people. And we're not going into places and contacting, you know, multiple, multiple people that we work with. Doug Peterson is. For Doug Peterson, Doug Peterson's team, like the Saints, has created a virtual bubble that he has access to. He doesn't have to go home. He can go to a hotel. He can stay at the Novacare Center, but Novacare Complex. But players are not required to go home. The, the team will get them a hotel down in the Navy Yards. The Saints are, have rented out, I think, two floors at the Lowe's that will accommodate 180 people, everybody in their first and second tiers, which is everybody essentially except the cooks and the, and the reporters. So teams are creating virtual bubbles. And Doug Peterson, well, Doug Peterson's now that he's got it, it doesn't really matter, I guess. I'm not sure you what the reinfection danger or rate is, but right. anybody who doesn't have it should be in a bubble right now. And if your your team doesn't offer you a bubble, you should create your own. You go to work, you get tested, you come home, and if possible, you stay away from your family and your friends because you are putting a league, an entire industry at risk. We saw that with the Marlins. We've seen it with the Cardinals. The Marlins going to a strip joint, <laughs> Lou Williams going to a strip joint. Yep. And, you know, it's just the Cardinals going to a casino. I mean, just because your region is uh, run and populated by idiots doesn't mean you have to be one. No, and that's so right. I mean, I, I attribute this. I'm a youth sports coach, and I'll, I'm dealing with the same kind of atmosphere. It's like, listen, I, we could keep the players in a bubble, but those players are always going to be exposed to outside resources, whether it be family members, whether it be neighbors. Whether, wherever they go, they're going to be exposed. So the limitations of this is absolutely spot on. And I, we, we notice from a national level, we have guy like Aaron Rodgers says, Abs never thought about opting out, want to play 100%. They you have guys like DeAndre Hopkins that come up and say, you know what, still really not sure yet. Do you think as the season gets closer, we're going to start to see bigger names opt out of the NFL season? It's, it's an interesting calculus. There are two things at play here when you talk about big names. Big names make the biggest money. So they're leaving the most money on the table versus the, you know, three hundred and fifty or $150,000 stipend. Guys who are on the bubble making the roster are in their third year and probably going to get cut before they, you know, pop for their pension. Those guys, there's not a whole lot of reason to stay around if you know you're gone soon anyway. But you also lose a year. It's really hard to lose a year in the NFL. I mean, imagine if Aaron Rodgers opted out and all of a sudden he's no longer the starting quarterback. Because <laughs> yeah. they yeah. quarterback. Right. You know, imagine exactly. Carson Wentz opting out oh. and Jalen Hurts takes him to the playoffs. I yes. mean, there are a lot of things at play here. So, you know, that's that's true. That's true of uh, many industries, but no, none more so than the NFL because you're very replaceable in the NFL, even quarterbacks. Everybody is. Remember the Nick Foles controversy? He played, what, five games, including winning the six games, including winning the Super Bowl, and the controversy the next year was, oh, is Carson Wentz the starting quarterback? It's a, it's a, it's a ridiculous argument to have with him, Yep. but you know, we've seen stranger things happen. Tom Brady, 
Yeah, this is true. Right, we go back to Drew Bledsoe and Tom Brady, right? right. <laughs> Absolutely. And when we talk about Carson Wentz, I wanted to ask you: we'll, we'll we'll take the COVID thing out of play and just act like you know we're just going to talk football here. And we look at what Howie Roseman did in the draft, and the first two picks obviously were questionable with the, the Jalen Rager selection, and then it shock hurt around the world. Jalen hurts. Is will this be the eventual? you know, upheaval of Howie Roseman or downfall, depending on what this this two-round picks dictate in 2020? Well, you know, what is the second-round pick worth, and why did they do it? If the second-round pick is worth $11 million, there's no difference between drafting Jalen Hurts or signing Chase Daniel or Nick Foles. That said, that said – why do you do it? Why do you invest that kind of capital, that kind of draft capital in um, for a team with a Carson Wentz? And I'll take you back to the screen pass on which Carson Wentz was injured against the Seahawks. The screen was blown up. They read the screen. So Carson Wentz's job there is to throw the ball over the target, out of bounds, and live to play another play. Carson Wentz chose to try to scramble on a screen, which is the first thing you learn when you learn how to learn to run a screen pass is you don't scramble on a screen. Why? Because the defense has been invited into the backfield. Everyone is flooding the backfield because they think that the ball is going to be dumped to a running back. Carson Wentz figured, okay, I'm going to scramble. Now he was hit late, not late, but hit with a cheap shot by a dirty player. Carson Wentz did not protect himself. At that point, four years in, Carson Wentz has to be able to protect himself or you begin to think that he's not teachable. That's why I don't have any problem with the pick. Carson Wentz has proven himself to be unteachable. So if he throws that ball away, maybe Jalen Hurts doesn't get drafted. That's interesting. I never looked at it that that way. I mean, it's 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 so it's it's convincible because of what you say. I mean, four years in the league, right? I mean, he should know that though his limitations as a quarterback, and he should know how to not get exposed the way he has. And obviously, we wouldn't be talking about the health issue, right? You can't trust Carson Wentz to protect himself. Carson Wentz had a back issue the year before, which he nope. tried to play through, which he masked, which he didn't. He wasn't honest with the team about. Carson Wentz, as a second-year player, was hurt on a scramble in a non-playoff game where, again, you know, you love the effort, but you have to understand your, your limitations. And, I mean, it's great to be tough and it's great to be athletic if you're a running back. Sure. It's better to be smart if you're a quarterback. And Carson's not a dumb guy, but he plays dumb sometimes. It's almost like the old Michael Vick saying when everybody's like, Mike, you have to learn how to slide. You can't keep taking hits, right? It's like no matter what, he just kept doing the same thing over and over again. It's the crazy. Biggest, the biggest example to me, the most obvious example, are, is Cam Newton. Yeah. You know, Cam Newton had realized that being a giant, talented quarterback meant that he could absorb normal contact longer and better Cam Newton wouldn't be hoping to be the starter in New England right now. He might have a ring or two, but he's been so debilitated by his own, I guess, uh, confidence, his own abilities. It's, uh, it's sad. I mean, the same thing happened with, uh, with um, Steve McNair. Just yeah. took too much punishment. So do you think, I have to ask you, do you think Cam Newton, does he work out in New England this year? 
anybody can work out in New England. Yeah, I love it. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, as long as they have enough players to play. They've got oh, eight true. guys opted out at this point. So that is this true. Will be Bill, if Bill Belichick wins the uh, AFC East this year, just put him in Canton now. Because, yeah. <laughs> I mean, he's going to have a third of a team and no Tom Brady. Yeah, you're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. Now, any last question about the defense here? Because you're going to need to walk me off a ledge a little bit. I look at the defense for the Eagles, and I see we lose our two quarterbacks on defense in Malcolm Jenkins and Nigel Bradham, and we don't replace them. And I hear Jim Schwartz say he's going to do a position-free secondary where guys are just roaming. Can this work on this team? Jim Schwartz has been the biggest – the biggest uh, three-card Monty dealer for four or five years now. I mean, this defense is not dynamic. It's not – it doesn't make plays. It utilizes its assets improperly. And the young guys don't get better. That's the most damning thing. The young guys don't get better. So um, whatever he says is just another another hustle. Um, it's just uh, – and I disagreed with not bringing Malcolm Jenkins back. I disagreed with not retaining Nigel Bradham. They could be the worst defense. They could have the second best defensive player in football in Fletcher Cox and be the worst defense in the NFC and maybe maybe all of football. I mean, so they don't true. have linebackers. They have a talented cornerback. And what else do they have? I mean, literally, they have no linebackers. Yeah, I, I I don't think they have a pass rush as well. I mean, I, well, I, I, I it, it, as much as they should with the amount of money that they spent on that line. I mean, Fletcher Cox being who he is, but you know, you have to hope Brandon Graham is he's getting older. You know, it's, yeah. But the the, the 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 X factor is how do they use Malik Jackson, who only yeah. played one one game last year. That is true. He's a, he's a, he's, an, he's an elite player in his when he was in his prime. He's no longer in his prime. But he's as good – I would say he's as good and as valuable as Brandon Graham right now in a clear upgrade over Derek Barnett. So they're going to have a pass rush. But the other teams know that. And with, a, with an absence of linebacker, especially to defend running backs and tight ends, which has always kind of been their Achilles heel, I mean, you're talking, you know, 3 to 8 yards, 3 to 12 yards, 3 to 15 yards every play. And now not only do you not have Malcolm Jenkins back there, you've got an undersized safety – and uh, Rodney McLeod, and a non-safety of Jalen and Jalen Mills. So, I mean, all of a sudden, those tight end and running back, you know, dumps, seam screens become much more dangerous. I mean, and, and those are the easiest passes and quickest passes for quarterbacks to uh, to throw and to protect themselves with. Uh, isn't that the truth? And again, we're talking to Marcus Hayes of the Philadelphia Inquirer uh, at Ink Stained Rats. I love that Twitter name. I, it's completely, yeah, I look, you know, usually you see the name and it's completely unique. I love it. Uh, and before I let you go, I, I have to end on this. I have to ask you because you talk all sports. The 76ers, I know they won last night. I was I was following your tweets on, you know, the other night of what's going on. I, I, I get Shake Milton. He hit that. He hit the three to take him over the top. But they turned the ball over two possessions before that in a row. Ken, is this what we are to expect with the Sixers in this NBA bubble right now? Well, let's be specific. They didn't turn the ball over. Joel Embiid well, and yes. Ben Simmons turned the ball over. And, and bam, so out, inex- right? <laughs> and did so inexcusably. Yes. I mean, those are lazy, undisciplined plays. And that's not what Brett Brown coaches. You know, you want to blame somebody, you blame your two all-stars. Those are the guys who did what they did, and they did it against the wishes of the coaches, against what the coach coaches. 
that said, yeah, they're young and they kind of are what they are. And all of these sort of play-in games or whatever they want to call them are like playoff games. They just carry an immense amount of weight considering the, the Sixers are, you know, trying to jockey for position and seating. But they kind of are who they are. And, you know, I, I'm a big believer in point guards running teams. So give the ball to – if Shake Milton is your point guard, he's your point guard. You don't bench him at the end of the, set, of the first game. That was a mistake by Brett Brown. That's, if that's Shake Milton's team, that's Shake Milton's team. It can never be Joel Embiid's team. He's irresponsible and selfish. It can't be Ben Simmons' team because he's no longer the point guard. You, you're, you're sort of pot committed now to use the, the gambling. To, you, you, there's no turning back. Shake Milton's team, give him the ball, give him the chance to fail. He deserves the chance to fail more than Embiid and Simmons, who have proven that late in games, even playoff games, they will fail more likely than not. Give somebody else the chance to fail. Uh, that's a great point. You heard it here first. I completely agree. We we are banking on the maturity level of the 76ers. So hopefully, uh, hopefully they do not let us down. But Marcus, I just want to thank you so much again for being on with me today on the Heat Ratio. I, I love the post. I enjoy your columns. And you're very opinionated. I love it. You get everybody talking. And you, you taught me some stuff during this interview as well. I really appreciate it. Thanks, Sonny. Take care. Good job, man.